0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Well, good morning, church. Morning. Sure good to see you on this Sunday morning. And uh, trust everybody's doing well. And glad you're here with us. Glad you chose to worship with us here at Open Bible Baptist Church today. Let me welcome the uh, teenagers back from a long week at camp. And those who took them are workers that are sleeping in the services this morning. (laughs) A long week. I know you had a great time, and uh, we're glad you're here. I think uh, maybe in a week or so, we'll hear some testimonies as maybe as to what the Lord has done in your life, through your life. And uh, we're glad. We're glad you had a great week and came back safely. And I uh, happen to look out and see Joe and Mandy, newlyweds. Congratulations. Good to see you today. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Mandy's, Mandy's all embarrassed now, so sorry, Mandy. congratulations to you. Hey, let me, uh, let me tell you a little bit about a, a, a series of messages we're going to begin uh, on Sunday nights. Beginning tonight, um, it's going to be not, not a study in the book of Revelation. But it will be in the book of Revelation. We're going to examine chapters 1, 2, and 3 for the next five or six years. And uh, it could take that long, but it won't. Um, but uh, we're going to entitle the series, Dear Church. And uh, tonight we'll break down kind of the book of Revelation, you know, and give you an outline of the whole book of Revelation. And then over the next several Sunday nights, we'll do this on Sunday nights together, Uh, we'll study those letters that Jesus wrote to the churches of Asia Minor. There's seven letters. And those letters represent the church age. In fact, if you look uh, at those letters and study them, you'll see the church. And we believe this. We believe that we're in our final days, right? We believe Jesus is coming back at any moment, you know, any time, could be before the service is over. That wouldn't be bad, would it? That'd be a good thing. And uh, so, but when you look at the letters in the book of Revelation, the last church he writes to is the church of the Laodiceans. And uh, when you look at that church, you see exactly, I think this, the temperament, the temperature of the church today. And so, let me encourage you. uh, Sunday night services, uh, they're, you know, it's kind of like family service, right? Nothing else goes on here on the campus. It's just us. It's a one-hour service from 5 to 6 to 6. And uh, man, it's no better way, Brother Tyler says this all the time, no better way to spend an hour on a Sunday night than right here with your brothers and sisters of Christ. And so let me encourage you, beginning tonight, to join us at 5 o'clock for Dear Church. Thank you, fellows. I appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this morning to the book of Romans. And I want you to notice Romans chapter number 10. Can you join me there? Romans chapter number 10 now if i had my way i would have paid everyone who's on vacation i would have healed everyone who's sick i would have encouraged all the afflicted to be here for this message this morning you know there are certain messages that god lays upon a preacher's heart where you just feel man they're for everybody and so i i I would want to preach this message this morning this evening wednesday next sunday morning next sunday night and until everybody gets it because of the topic of this message but god laid it on my heart for it today i was going to kind of put it off will you know until september when everybody's here but uh, you got to do what god tells you to do right and so what i need you to do is listen well and then take this message and preach it to everybody that's not here today would you do that three people said we'll do that <laughs> amen look at romans chapter number 10. And uh, verse number one, now this may not be a, a, uh, a vague verse for us. We've, we've heard this before. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing, here's what he said. He's writing to the church in Rome, and he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, now what's his prayer? Look at it, that they might be saved. Do You see that? Now that's, that's powerful, isn't it? Apostle Paul speaking, Brother Tyler, would you grab these, please? Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome. By the way, it's not the Roman Catholic Church, right? It's the church in Rome, New Testament church, just like this. And he says, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is that Israel, my brethren, my countrymen, might be saved. Uh, go back chapter 9. In verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1, I say the truth, in Christ I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Now look at verse 3 For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Did you see that? You know what Paul's saying there, church? Paul's saying this, if it were possible, if it were possible, I would exchange my own salvation so that my countrymen, my brethren, the nation of Israel, would be saved. Wow. I wonder how many of us would, would say, now sincerely, I know I know, I know we want to see our loved ones saved. I know we want to see our friends saved. But would we really, and I don't say anything to this, would we from the depths of our heart with all sincerity be willing to make an exchange your salvation for theirs? Would you be willing to say, uh, if I could, I'd spend eternity separated from God so that my loved ones, my mother or father, or my aunt, my uncle, my son or daughter, my grandparents, my friends, my countrymen, would be saved. Uh, I wonder if we'd pray this Lord, if I could, I exchange my salvation for America. Now get honest with yourself. Scarcely for a righteous man will one dare to die. Huh? Per for a sinner who would even think to die, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Paul says this, my heart's desire, my heart's desire, my prayer to God is that Israel, my countrymen, might be saved. In fact, if it were possible, I'd exchange my salvation for theirs. Wow. Puts things in perspective, doesn't it? And you know what that speaks to? That speaks to this. Are you guys with me? No, not you, them. Don't wait on me. Go ahead, just flip. There you go. Uh, that speaks to this. Let me. I want to give you a word this morning. And here's the word, intentional. Amen. Say it with me. Amen. Intentional. What Paul was speaking about right there, now pay attention, is the very intention of his heart. The very intention of his heart. In fact, when you examine the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul after he gets saved, you'll find out that everything he did, his ministry, his life operated from that platform. His whole intention for living after he got saved and for ministry was to see other people get saved. That's that speaks volumes. I know you and I, I know we're serious. We love to see our, I want to see every every member of my family saved. I really do. And you know, thank the Lord, God's been real gracious to our family. We have very few people in our family that are not saved. In fact, at last count, I don't know, Donna, how many preachers do we have in our family? We got, we got like 14 people in our family that are either pastors or assistant pastors or You know, we got twenty-five that are still in prison, but we got fourteen that are that are living for God, serving the Lord. (laughs) It's exciting, isn't it? (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so, but Paul says this the whole the whole purpose for my being, my intention, is that people would be saved. I was reading an article this past week, and a fellow fellow said this in the article. He said that his prayer to God now is that he would become more intentional in his witness, that he would become more of an, of, of, of an intentional witness for Christ. And I thought about intentional evangelism, intentional evangelism. Say it with me, intentional evangelism. I've been around for a while, and I've, I've preached uh, often, many times, on being confrontational in your, in, in, your, in your witness. You ever hear about that before? Confrontational witnessing? We call it this, in, in, our, in our circle, we call it confrontational soul winning. You know what that means? It simply means this, we are going to confront people with the gospel of Christ. You with me? Uh, I love it when people take our gospel tracts here, one of them says you're invited. Right? It's fresh, it's clean, simple, minimalistic. You're invited. You know? On the back of it, it has, of course, our church info, but then also a, just a brief you know, description of the gospel. You know? I love that. And, and what we do sometimes is we at least we encourage you to take some of those cards and wherever you go this week, just hand it out to, to somebody. You're invited. And I love that. And I think you ought to be about that. And I would hope all of us think about that. But that's not really confronting someone with the gospel. Right? When you confront someone with the gospel, your whole purpose, your whole intention is to share that message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ with that individual. So, there is a vast difference in inviting someone to come to church and confronting someone with the gospel. Don't you agree? Right? And so, we have taught people down through uh, the years to become confrontational uh, with the gospel. However, we've taken that to,
0: uh,
1: to an ignorant level because now we've become confrontational. Where instead of bridging a gap, we are, we, are, we are driving a wedge. Did you get that? Instead of bridging a gap, we're driving a wedge. Because now we become so aggressive that we almost hit people over the head with the gospel and instead of instead of drawing them in we're we're actually kind of pushing them away. Are you listening real good? And I'm not saying we ought not be confrontational because we should be. You don't want to be passive with someone's eternity. However, if you get too aggressive, you're going to push people away, and they're really not going to want what you have, or at least you're not going to have an opportunity to share it with them. Right? And so, uh, instead of us praying, God, help me to be more confrontational, maybe we ought to pray, God, help me to become more intentional. You'll never be confrontational unless you're first intentional. Did you get that? And that means simply this, the whole intention of your life is to bring glory and honor to him and see other people get saved. And it's more than just, that's more than just a weekly, uh, a daily, a momentarily event. It's a lifestyle. Just like that young lady just sang, help people to really see Jesus in me. And when you broke out and smiled every once in a while, I did. Beautiful young lady. Isn't it great when young people serve God? And so, uh, what our desire, our intention ought to be is God help me to be really serious and genuine about what I have. Because people in our day and age, people out there want to see someone who's genuine. Isn't that right? Uh, And what you and I have is something that we ought to be really genuine about. That's, That's our faith. So, the Apostle Paul says this, My whole purpose, my whole intention, I deliberately live so that, and that's what the word intentional means on purpose or deliberate. I live deliberately so that others might see Christ in me and they might be saved. That's my whole prayer to God. In fact, if I could, I'd make an exchange, I'd give up my salvation for theirs. Now, let me be real clear I'm not at that point, not even close. I don't know if I'd be willing to say, Lord, I'll spend eternity separated from you. And by the way, let's be clear with that. Mm, The Bible hasn't changed. Uh, Eternity separated from God is spent in a place called the lake of fire. Because death and hell will be swallowed up in the lake of fire. You don't spend eternity in hell. You spend eternity in the lake of fire if you're lost. And who of us would stand up and say, Preacher, I'll tell you right now, man, I'd I'd say, like Paul, I'd exchange my salvation for the salvation of America, for the salvation of my family, for the salvation of a church member who's not saved. I'm just going to tell you, like it is. I I don't think I would right now. I just don't think I would. I would love to say that I would. I want to see people saved but I'm not sure of that. I don't know if I'll ever get to that level. How about you? How about you? But we can become more intentional. Don't you agree? We can become more intentional. So how, how then do we become more intentional? Now I'm going to take us back to an Old Testament prophet whose name was Ezekiel. Say it with me. Ezekiel. It kind of just rolls off your Ezekiel. Say Ezekiel. Ezekiel. And go back, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel. Now, I'll give you a couple, couple of minutes to find it. Ezekiel chapter number 1. You say, Pastor Ezekiel? You're going to talk to us about being intentional in the 21st century from an old prophet testament, Ezekiel? Uh-huh. You know why that is? Because the Bible is Timeless. And everything written in there, whether it's in the old portion or the new portion, is just the Scriptures and extremely relevant for today. Are you with me? And when you turn to Ezekiel chapter number 1, you begin to read in verse number 1 these words. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month. In the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were open, and, now get this, I saw visions of God. This is Ezekiel speaking. Are you with me? In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's activity, he says in verse 3, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest. Now hold on to that for a second. Ezekiel the priest. We know Ezekiel as what? A prophet, but here in, in this passage, when we're introduced to Ezekiel, he is uh, classified as a priest, right? And and uh, and and he was the fella. Ezekiel was the guy who wrote these words in Ezekiel chapter number eighteen, verse number four. He said he said this: uh, "The soul that sinneth, it shall die." Did you ever use that in soul winning? Ezekiel eighteen four. The soul that sinneth it shall die. He went on, and said verse number five. But if a man be just, that's chapter eighteen. But before he got to chapter number eighteen, we meet him in chapter number one, and we're told a couple of things about him in chapter number one. First of all, we're told his age. He's a little bit. He's a little bit past his thirtieth birthday. Did you say it? Are you, are you paying good attention with me? Look at verse 1 again. In, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day. And so he's almost, you know, 30 and a half, right? Um, and you say, why is that significant? Well, the second thing he tells us in that passage is this. Uh, we're told that he was to be a priest. He, he was by, the lineage, by lineage a priest. Now pay attention right here. According to Numbers chapter number 4... Right? Uh, numbers 4 tells us that, that a man who was to be a priest would start their priestly duties at the age of 30. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Give you a little bit of history. So, here's Ezekiel. Wonderful imagery in a book. Do you ever read the book of Ezekiel and get really lost? All this imagery, all this prophecy. It's like, wow. Man, but he's got, catching these visions from God. But in the very beginning, he's, he's almost, he's, he's over 30 years old, and he is not really f- p- p- performing the responsibilities of the priesthood. So it's almost, now pay attention right here, God called him to do something, and he has yet engaged in what God has called him to do. Anybody been there, done that? Now why? I'll tell you why. When you read the text, did you see where he was? He's among the captives by the river Kabar. You know where that's at? That's Babylon. That's Babylon. So pay attention right here. Uh, Ezekiel is not with the worshipers at the temple, he's with the captives in Babylon. So he's not fulfilling his priestly responsibility because of where he was. And so what happens, what happens is this, and jump on down if you would, chapter number 1 and verse number 28. He begins to go through this elaborate description, imagery of God, and in chapter number 28, he concludes with this in, in the middle of the verse. He says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, What's the next few words? I fell upon my face and heard a voice of one that spake. Now pay attention with me right here. We first meet the prophet Ezekiel in chapter number one, and where you find him is on his face. Do you see that? He's on his face before God. He catches all this imagery. You know, God reveals himself to Ezekiel. He calls it a vision. Sometimes we think about visions, you know, as being, you know, mysterious. It's just God revealing himself to this brother in a very personal way. Huh? You say, so, Pastor, how can I become a little bit more intentional? Maybe we need to start where Ezekiel started, and that is on our face before God. Ezekiel catches a vision, a personal glimpse of Almighty God, and you know what it does? It knocks him off his feet, and he says this, he records this, he's on his face before the Lord. And so, friend, I tell you what I think we need, each of us, including uh, me, uh, all of us, our our, our staff, our deacons, every church member, every child of God today, we need to catch a fresh, personal glimpse of Almighty God in our lives. Because if we'll do that, it'll it'll make a difference. You think about this, and I won't go here because this is a message I might preach in the future, of individuals who actually saw the Lord. Did you ever study uh, any people here where they saw the Lord and the the impact, the effect it had on their lives? They were never the same. And you can read about Job uh, when he saw the Lord. You know, I won't go any further than Job, but it's a great story. You know the story of Job, don't you? I mean to tell you, Job went through a trial like no man has ever been through a trial. And you know what he does during the whole, Raji, the whole time, He maintains his integrity. Right? You remember that? I mean, he's gone through it. He didn't ask for it. In fact, the Lord said this about Job in the very beginning when he's having dialogue with the devil. He says to the devil, Have you ever considered my servant Job? He's a man that escheweth evil. He lives righteously and he separates from evil. God said, This this guy's got it going on, he's the real deal. And the devil says, man, I can shake him to his core because the only reason he serves you is because of the blessings you bestow upon him. Now, here's a fact. For some of us, that's true. Huh? But not for Job. And so his friends come, right? you ever read about his friends? I preached a message with friends like that. You don't need enemies. His friends come, and and their their whole uh, message to Job is, why don't you just get right with God, man? I mean, to tell you, dude, what you do, God's got his judgment on you. And Job keeps maintaining his integrity. Did you ever read it? Until, until you get to the end of the book of Job. And you know what happens? Job is confronted by God. And when he catches a vision of God, you know what he does? He falls upon his face. He falls upon his face, and I love these words. Tyler, it's the best I've ever read in the Bible. Job says this. He said, I've heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee, and I abhor myself. You know what I found out? The closer you get to God, the worse you feel about yourself. Why? Because you see his holiness and his perfection, and you need him to lift you up and blow some fresh wind in your lungs. Hello? No, here's Ezekiel. He catches this amazing image of God, a vision from God, and you find him on his face before the Lord. And that leads me just to encourage us to get on our face before God and say, Lord, please bring me back. I mean, we, we might just start by looking back and saying, boy, God has been so good to me since I've been saved. Huh? Have you lived long enough to remember what you were like before you, before you got saved? Huh? Have you, have you lived? Uh, pay attention right here. Have you lived obediently enough to enjoy some of the rich blessings of the Lord? Because if you have, sometimes all we really need to do is stop and pause, maybe see La. That's what the psalmist says la. stop, pause, think about it, ponder how good God has been to us. And when you do, you just catch this fresh glimpse of an amazing God. Hello. That's where it starts, right? You know, just watching God work in your life and through your life, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I'm not talking about eating pepperoni pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning having visions. Garlic dancing through your mind. No, man, I'm talking about just seeing what God has done in your life. And how wonderful He is. Preacher, how can I become more intentional? Uh, you might have to start where Ezekiel started on your face. On your face. But notice, let's read on just a little bit. Go to chapter 2 because, you know, it just continues. So He says in chapter 1, verse 28, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. What did He hear? Chapter 2, verse 1, and he said unto me, Son of man, look at the next couple words. What did he say? Stand upon thy feet. So get off your face, get on your feet. That's the second image we see of our brother Ezekiel. Are you with me? Stand upon your feet, and I will speak unto thee. Isn't that good? Preacher, how can I become more intentional? And not just as a witness. But how how can I become more intentional in my life to do things deliberately for God so that God is glorified? I tell you what you got to do. Maybe, Maybe start on your face, but then as you hear the word of God, he says to Ezekiel, Get on your feet. And you know what that's a picture of here? That's a picture of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, or God in doing us, in doing us with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And and he's given instruction here, you know. And notice the sequence. He's on his face in awe of who God is, and then next he's on his feet in obedience to the Word of God. Look here, class. If you catch a fresh glimpse of who God is, you'll not have a hard time obeying Him. You'll, you'll, you'll You'll not find it difficult following His Word. If you catch a fresh glimpse of who God is, if you keep growing in your faith, you'll not find it hard to obey him. No, not at all. And, and, And so what you see here is the person that God uses is the person who was enabled by the Holy Spirit. He hears God's word and he obeys God's word. Ezekiel, get up off your face and get on your feet. That's intentional. You read in the scriptures, you often see images in the scriptures of that very thing. Uh, I I love reading the Psalms. We're doing a little study on Wednesday night in the Psalms. I love the Psalms. So rich. You know, you you see these men like David who just bare their heart. You know, they share what they're going through. Sometimes, uh, pay attention right here, sometimes they're going through some real difficult, you know, you, you can go from being, did you ever get melancholy? Come on, be honest. Did you ever get melancholy? David was melancholy. David was, David was borderline depressed. Huh? Did you ever read it? He talks about, you know, his bed being like a swimming pool because of his tears. <laughs> right? But you know what he often encouraged? He often encouraged his readers to get into the Word. In fact, Psalm 19, I tried to teach it last Sunday night. We tried to sing it. Right? <laughs> you, you, you know, it's It's wonderful. And then he talks about the Word of God as being like food you digest, right? Uh, Chapter, uh, Psalm 19, verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. What's he talking about there? God's words. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right, making wise. He goes on and on and on. And then he says, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Listen, sweeter also than gold honey and the honeycomb. What's he saying? It's amazing when you digest the Word of God, how wonderful it is. It's like honey. It's sweeter than honeycomb. Somebody said, I've been suffering tremendously with my allergies, and somebody said, preacher, just try some New Jersey honey. So, you know what I did? I took you up on it, and I went to the— to the market, bought some New Jersey honey, and here's what I got to say. It's delicious. But I'm still sneezing. But at least I'm sneezing with a wonderful taste in my mouth. So I'm going to take the whole jar. I mean, I bought, take the whole thing, you know? Sweeter also also than honey, and the honeycomb. You know what Jeremiah said? One of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture, Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, your words were found... You know what he says and i did eat them Woo-hoo! your words were found and i did eat them i devoured them and that encourages me to encourage you to say man we've got to spend some time in his word devouring it and i think it ought to be deliberate it ought to be slow and deliberate I'm on my face, Ezekiel says. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice. I heard his word. When was the last time? Look up here, class. When was the last time you heard his word? And I don't mean from your preacher. When was the last time you were on your face before God and you opened up the Scriptures and God spoke to you? Could I encourage you? It's better to spend five minutes mulling over one verse than spending five hours reading the whole Bible and getting nothing from it. It's not the amount of Scripture you read, it's the amount of Scripture that reads you. That reads you, because you want to have, look here, I guarantee you, what's today's date? 17th, tomorrow's the 18th? Is it? I thought so. Tomorrow begin reading Proverbs 18, the next day 19, the next day 20, and read the book of Proverbs for the rest of this month, one chapter a day. Date correlating with the chapter. And in that chapter, ask God to give you something special just for yourself. Would you do that? And then write it down. So, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 says this. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh an intermeddle with all wisdom. That's Proverbs 18.1. If you get no further than that, say today, Lord, help me today to go through my desire, and then all day long tomorrow, because you're going to read that first thing in the morning, right? All day long, you're going to think about that, Lord, through my desire, through my desire. Help me to seek and intermeddle with all wisdom through my desire. I guarantee you, your day is going to be better than you thought it could be. If we just get a little bit slower and more deliberate in digesting God's Word. Preacher, how can I become more intentional? you got to maybe start like Ezekiel, on your face, and listen for the Word of God, and then get on your feet in preparation Look here. Pay attention to this statement. You can't walk with God unless you're on your feet. Thank you for that. You can't walk with God unless you're on your feet, class. You got to start talking back to me. Amen. If not, I to have to start repeating myself. <laughs> I want to be more intentional. How do you? How about you? I want to be intentional in my Christian life. Look here, I leave out this morning, I promise you left out this morning, have my Bible tucked under my arm. I didn't hide it behind my suit, tucked under my arm. Neighbor was across the street, shirt, tie, Bible. He knew where I was going. But what about tomorrow? Huh? And what about Wednesday or Thursday? So big deal he sees me dressed in a suit and tie on on Sunday with a Bible. Talked under my arm. Don't tell them anything about my faith. You know what it tells them? I'm going to church. He knows other people that go to church. And you know what he knows? He knows other people that go to church, and church doesn't make any difference at all in their lives. Are you with me? What's the difference, right? The difference is going to be by me living intentionally so that that person sees Jesus Christ in me. And I'm not going to get as to what that means. You know what that means? not going to yell at the garbage man because he left half can full. (laughs) Not going to yell at the neighbor because he parked a little bit in front of my driveway. No, i got to keep in mind all the time, intentionally, i got to let others see Christ in me. Amen? And he doesn't stop there. Let me give you one final thought here. Are you with me? Did I give you too much already? You all right? You want a little bit more? All right. This could take another hour. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, te- I'm, teasing. I'm teasing you. All right, let, let's, let's move on just a little bit. So he's on his face, right? Chapter one, verse 28, you see that? He's on his feet in chapter two and verse number number one. Now let's read on just a little bit. In verse five, I'm sorry, in verse number three, and he said, he said unto me, "Son of man, I send thee." I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that have rebelled against me. So you see him on his face, you see him on his feet, and now you see him on his way. Huh? Are you with me? He's on his face before God. He's crying out to God. He can't believe the vision that he sees. He catches a fresh glimpse of Almighty God. He hears the voice of the Lord. He's on his feet. He's being enabled by the Spirit of God. And then, and then that voice says to him, all right, now, get going. Get going. So where does it say that at? You, you missed it. Look in chapter number 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. And he said unto me, Son of man, what's the next, two, next word? Go. Go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak my words unto them. <laughs> Ooh, isn't that good? He's on his way. Look here, when you catch a fresh glimpse of God and you get up on your feet and God's spirit enables you, it's not so that you can just sit around and have fellowship with the boys. It's so that you can follow him and fulfill his mission. Talked about that last Sunday night. He's got a mission. God's got a mission for you and I to be a part of. You know what it is? It's to be Christ to this lost world. It's to be salt, it's to be light. That hasn't changed. Salt and light, that's our responsibility. Correct? I know some of you are salty. But we need to be salt and light in this dark world in which we live. What, what a sequence. He says this to him. I'm going to send you now. Does that sound familiar? You you, you remember reading in the Gospels, and you've heard this a million times here at Open Bible Baptist Church and churches just like this, we talk about something called the Great Commission, right? And you know it's listed in all four Gospels and the book of Acts. The most famous, Matthew chapter 28, right? Going to all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, teaching them to observe all things. Mark chapter, chapter 15, verse 16 and on and on. John, in John's gospel, Jesus is speaking, and, and, and he says this in John chapter, uh, I lost my text there, but here's what he says, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Wait a second, man. We're back, we're back thousands of years ago looking at an old crusty prophet of God. Huh? Supposed to be, he's supposed to be fulfilling his responsibility as a priest. He's not. He's held in captivity now in Babylon. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he catches a fresh vision of God, knocks him off his feet, stands on his, uh, knocks him on his face, stands him on his feet, and now he's sent on his way with these words, so send I you, I send you to the house of Israel. And after thousands of years... That hasn't changed. Jesus said, so send I you. Right? His disciples kept on saying, Lord, give us more information. Tell us this, tell us this, tell us that. And in Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 8, he says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. And then he talks about this, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost. Correct? Correct? That's that's the reason I've given you the spirit, he said, to go and be a witness in all the world. That's intentional. That's intentional, isn't it? No matter how we cut it, we can't get away from that. After all these years, we just cannot get away from that. And look what he said to him in verse number 5 of chapter number 2. He said this, And they, whether they will hear or whether, whether they will forbear for their rebellious house, yet shall know that there has been a prophet among them. Did you get that? Ezekiel, you just go and do what I've told you to do. Whether they listen to you or not, that's irrelevant because they're going to know, they're going to know they heard from God Almighty. Huh? Why, why, don't, why don't we listen? Pastor, they just don't want to hear. They won't open their doors no more. That wasn't the criteria. He didn't say, go to those who want to hear. He didn't say, go to those who will open their door. Hello? Come on, church. No, he said, whether they listen or not, they're going to know that a prophet was among them. Whether they listen to you or not, they're going to know the word of God is being spoken. <laughs> Amen? Amen? What a message God gives to Ezekiel. Don't you agree? Yes. Paul said, Lord, my, my heart's desire, my prayer is that my countrymen might be saved. Think about it. If I could, I, exchange, I would exchange my own conversion so that they might be saved. Let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm finished, I promise. Look, I'll, I'll even turn off my iPad, I'm done. I can easily put it back on if you don't behave. <laughs> Think about this. How much time are we at least spending praying for our lost loved ones? Do you, do you have a list someplace, maybe in your Bible, on a piece of paper, in, in a tablet, where you have their names listed? Do you have a day set aside during the week where you at least pray for family members? Do you periodically in church service hear a message like this? Do you periodically leave your place and come and, and kneel down? and See, this is where, as a preacher, I can get in the flesh because some of you can care less. You turn me off when I get like that. When I start talking like this, it brings conviction, so you don't want to hear me, so you'll close your eyes and you'll pretend you're sleeping. But the Spirit of God do know the Spirit of God, do know. So you keep preaching like this, I'm not coming back. I know, and that's why I'm preaching like this today. We've got to be more intentional. Are you with me? say, so preacher, how do I do that? Maybe we need a fresh glimpse of God. And look here, let me not, let me not confuse you, please. You're looking at somebody that enjoys Life. I told you this couple weeks ago you don't know me that well I, I don't sleep with a suit and tie on huh I don't uh I played golf with Mr. Smith the other day Mr. Smith did I have a suit and tie on brother Bob no I had a t-shirt with a tie on it but <laughs> did I preach to everybody in a golf course no I was trying to behave myself because I was hitting the ball so bad I didn't want to cuss What am I doing? I'm putting it in perspective. We're not saints. We're never going to be until we, we're not perfect. We have flaws. We have flaws. But we can be more intentional. We can try. We can stop making excuses. Right? I mean, we can live our life and have a blast and at the same time represent our God so that people would literally see Jesus in us. Amen? Amen. We gotta get serious about we gotta be genuine about our faith. Amen. We gotta be more intentional about our faith. I remember singing man years ago in Sunday school. Everybody ought to know. Remember that little song? Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Boom, 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 he's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. Everybody ought to know. Somebody put a second verse to it. Everybody Everybody ought to tell. Everybody ought to tell. Everybody ought to tell who Jesus is. Everybody ought to tell, everybody ought to tell, everybody ought to tell who Jesus is. Same chorus. Huh? Here's the fact. Everybody ought to know that Jesus saves. But they'll never know unless we tell. Amen? Let's get back into the business of telling. What do you think? You want to be a teller? Go ahead, raise your hand. Preacher, I don't work at a bank. (laughs) You want to be a teller? You can tell somebody about Jesus. Just tell them how good he's been to you. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for being such a great God and sending your only begotten son, Jesus, to that cruel cross so that we might have a perfect, complete salvation. We marvel in the fact that we can be saved because we know ourselves. We know we don't deserve it. But then we look out and we see so many who don't have it, and it breaks our heart, it burdens our heart. I don't think anybody in this room would be willing to say, like the Apostle Paul, I'll exchange what I have so they can have it, but I think we can be more intentional to at least go and share it with them. And so help us, please, to maybe get on our face and then on our feet and then on our way and live more intentionally in our Christian life so that others might see Christ in us and maybe ask us about this blessed hope that we have, and may we be ready to tell them it's Jesus. Plain and simple, it's Him. Our heads are bowed. Let me just chat with you just for a moment. Do you have saving faith? Do you know for sure that when you pass on, when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Do you have that assurance? Has there been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? Have you done that? It doesn't matter that your mom or dad or grandparents were saved. It doesn't matter that, you know, you go to a Christian church. You need to have personal conversion? Do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven? And if you're not certain of that, we'd love to have a moment of your time to chat with you. We'll just take a Bible and open and show you the gospel message, just like we preached this morning, so that you might get it settled once and for all and be saved. We have men and women standing by, and long after this service, you come, call us, we'll come by your house, you come to the office and visit with us, you can email us. We're we're here to serve you long after this service ends but you need to get that settled. Hey, let me ask you this. Are you saved and yet yet to be baptized? Have you been baptized by immersion? That's what the Bible teaches. Are you saved and baptized, but you're not a member of any good local church? We need to get those things settled. And maybe today would be a day where you you can work on that. If you're here this morning and you are saved, maybe your heart's burdened for family members or friends or for this world in which we live. I tell you, we just need to live more intentional. Help me to be more intentional, Lord. May that be our prayer today. Father in heaven, bless this time of, of uh, prayer and of seeking. We call it invitation, but just bless this, this end of the service time. We can just get our hearts in tune with your words so that it has not fallen upon deaf ears. We pray in Jesus' name, and amen.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.